Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon and welcome to Soul to Soul. Always wonderful to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon, especially at this time of year, the time when we are approaching those holy, we're in the middle of the holy Yomim Tovim of Tishrei. We've had Rosh Hashanah um, and now on Shabbos and on Sunday, and now we're heading towards Shabbos Shuvah. The Shabbos is called Shabbos Shuvah, the special Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur during a series of Shuvah. And then we, the climax of this time is Yom Kippur, which is on Sunday night and on Monday. These are very important, powerful, holy days within the Jewish calendar and days of tremendous opportunity. Um, I remember when I was a child and we, we, this time of year came, it was like such a bond and it was such a, you know, such a boring time spending hours in shul and oh gosh, you know, it was painful and torturous. But when one understands the beauty and the depth and the meaning, and the opportunity, these days become exhilarating. They become life-changing. They become an opportunity to become a new human being, to develop and to grow and to stretch ourselves and to try and uh, and show Hashem, connect to Hashem, which is a very difficult thing to do in our material physical world. So these days are precious and are beautiful and are rich and present with them such great opportunity for all of us to grow. So we'll discuss that in a moment, but I first wanted to mention today's date is the 5th of Tishrei. So it's exactly in the middle of our Seri Shuva of these 10 days of repentance. And Yom Kippur is in five days' time on the 10th of Tishrei. And today is the anniversary of the uh, capture of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was a great sage who lived 2,000 years ago. He was captured in the year 134 of the Common Era. So it's just less than 2,000 years ago. And he, Rabbi Akiva, was a, a person of tremendous depth and tremendous wisdom. Rabbi Akiva, um, he was captured on this day, in the 5th of Tishrei, 134 of the Common Era. And five days later, he was executed by the Romans in Caesarea um, on Yom Kippur. Rabbi Akiva uh, had been a 40-year-old uh, shepherd, and he couldn't even read the Aleph base. And one day, while he was leading his uh, sheep, in the wild, in the wilderness, in the bush. So he came across a waterfall and he saw this waterfall and he saw how the water had smoothed out and had penetrated the rocks below. And it occurred to him that if the water that is soft could have such an impression on the rocks that are hard, so how much more so the words of Torah, which are like fire, could have an impression on my heart. And he committed himself to go and learn Torah and he did so. Um, for 12 years, and then he, uh, he he met his wife, Rachel. Rachel was the daughter, she was a princess. She was the daughter of Kabul ben Savua, who was the wealthiest man in Israel. He was the Bill Gates of the Middle East. And uh, he totally excommunicated Rachel if she would marry this peasant, this shepherd, Akiva. But Rachel was a holy woman, and she saw the neshama, she saw the soul, she saw the greatness of Rabbi Akiva, and she 
committed herself to him. They got married and they were left destitute. And then he has this awakening, spiritual awakening. He goes to learn for 12 years. Um, he comes back and she says she would gladly give 12 more. He returns after 24 years with 24,000 students. And he becomes the Gadol Ador. He's the great leader of the generation, the great sage. And um, Rabbi Akiva is always a symbol to all of us in close role of the greatness that we all have inside and that's never too late, no matter how old we are, no matter where we find ourselves, we can always come back to Hashem. We can always develop a relationship with the creator of the universe and study his Torah, never too late. And we can achieve our potential and we all have tremendous potential. When Rabbi Akiva was tortured to death by the Romans, he was caught teaching Torah because the Romans weren't stupid. The Romans realized that the fire and life force of the Jewish people comes from our connection to Torah. They saw that when we connect to Torah, so we are connected to eternity and we could overcome any adversity. And when we lose our connection to Torah and we move away from the Torah, so then we're very vulnerable. In fact, Rabbi Akiva himself, I was met by one of the Roman generals and the Roman general said to him, um, why is it such an issue for you to stop learning Torah? Just uh, abide by this Roman decree and we won't have to execute you. And Rabbi Akiva said that the, uh, a mushal, he said the, uh, a fish was in the water and there were hunters trying to hunt the fish in the water. And the sly fox said to the fish, why don't you come out the water and you'll be safe from the nets of the hunters, of the fishermen. And the fish said, if I'm vulnerable when I'm in the Torah, when I'm in the water, which is my natural habitat, and where I'm strong, how much more so I'll be vulnerable when I'm out the, the water. The fish knew that the fox wanted to eat the fish himself. So Rabbi Akiva said, if we are vulnerable while we are learning Torah from the Romans, how much more so if we stop learning Torah? And he carried on teaching his Talmudim, clandestinely, uh, secretly, and he was caught by the Romans and he was executed by the evil Romans on Yom Kippur of the year 134. Um, while he's being executed, Rabbi Akiva was saying the words of Shema. Shema Yisrael Hashem Lokein Hashem Echad. And he's Talmud him and he, and he was smiling. And his Talmudim said, Rabbi, you know, Ad Khan, the, you, uh, you are smiling when you're being tortured to such an extent. And he said, all my life I've been saying the word Shema. Um, love Hashem your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. With all of your soul means that you you are willing to give your life in your service, in service of God, in the love of God. So he said, I now finally have an opportunity to do so. So that was the incredible Nashoma soul leader of Klai's soul of Rabbi Akiva. And we remember him and we still draw tremendous inspiration from Rabbi Akiva's mysterious never self-sacrifice, love for Klai's role and commitment to Klaistro. Um because I have so much to talk about, so many fascinating things to talk about. Okay, so uh, let me uh, slip something in before I add break in a moment. And uh, that is about Yom Kippur. So I want to share with you some ideas about Yom Kippur and, and talk about the importance and the power and the greatness of Yom Kippur. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's not, it shouldn't be seen, yes, it is daunting for all of us, and it's a difficult day when we're fasting. But it should be seen as a great opportunity for us to cleanse ourselves, to cleanse our neshamas, to purify ourselves, and to wipe the slate clean. Because through the year we're committing many transgressions and many averas, and we caked with sin, 
And once a year, Hashem in His kindness gives us the opportunity to clean ourselves, to remove that Avera, to remove that muck around our Noshomas, and to become free once more and connect to truth and spirituality. So that's the opportunity of these days, and that's the great opportunity of Yom Kippur. And we will all be, would be very wise to use that opportunity to its fullest and to use it properly. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about Yom Kippur and the beautiful day of Yom Kippur and how it's an opportunity to cleanse ourselves, to remove the stains of our virus and to uh, have a clean slate once more. And in order to do so, so there's not much that we have to do. Hashem's really doing all the heavy lifting on this holy day. There's a little bit that we have to do, and that is we have to keep the Yom Tov. So we urge all of our listeners to actually keep the Yom Tov, to not, not do Malacha. So all the prohibitions of Shabbos also apply to Yom Kippur. And it's much more important to keep Yom Kippur than it is to go to Shul. Much more important to keep the Yom Tov, and especially this year, many people are not going to show anyway, but it's more important and more powerful and has more of a spiritual impact than if we keep the Yom Tov, we don't drive, we don't switch on lights, we don't switch on our phones, we don't um, do any uh, heating up of food, of cooking for after the, 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 the breaking of the fast. We are uh, we keep the Yom Tov, like with Shabbos, we keep all the, pro- not doing any Melocha on Yom Kippur, um, as well as the Chamesh Inuyim. The Chamesh Inuyim are the additional five afflictions. So we're supposed to keep it like Shabbos, as well as um, not eating and drinking, which is one of the Chamesh Inuyim, which is fasting. Uh, not So obviously we all understand what fasting means. For 25 five hours, we keep the fast. The fast comes in um, on uh, Yom Kippur, which is on this Sunday afternoon, the 27th of September. The fast comes in at 5.48, so we should light candles at 5.48. The fast goes out exactly 25 hours later, or just a little bit less, 24 hours, 50 minutes, at 6.38. So the fast comes in 5.48, and the fast ends on Monday evening, the 28th of September, at 6.38. And so not, we must keep the Yom Tov very, very important to try, even if you're not Shomer Shabbos yet, to make a massive effort to keep the Yom Tov and not do any malacha, number one. And then we add, uh, in addition to that, is the Chamesh Inuim, is the five afflictions, which is not eating and drinking, fasting, which is not bathing for pleasure, so we don't wash ourselves on Yom Kippur. Um, we can, when we get up in the mornings, we, wa- we usually wash six times, but we only wash to the knuckles on Yom Kippur. Likewise, when we go to the bathroom, we only wash to the knuckles. Um, if you have dirt on you, you can wash it off with cold water, but otherwise no washing at all um, for pleasure on Yom Kippur. We also... The third of the five afflictions is we don't apl- apply any oils, anoint any oils. So no makeup and no perfume and no deodorant, no oils are, are placed on us on the day. Um, so you can do that just before Yom Tov comes in on, on Sunday afternoon, but not on Yom Kippur itself. The fourth of the five afflictions is we don't wear leather shoes. So make sure your shoes do not have any leather on them at all. Um, no leather in the soles, no leather on the sides. Um, today it's quite easy. There's a lot of comfortable shoes that are not made of leather. So one should be careful to ensure one has such a pair of shoes of canvas or Crocs or whatever it may be. 
And finally, the fifth of the Chamesh is no marital relations, no sexual intimacy on Yom Kippur. So keep the Yontif and keep these five additional restrictions, afflictions. And if one does that, so then one gets cleansed. Isn't that a great deal? Yes, it's hard to fast and yes, it's hard to keep the whole Yom Tif and to keep these five things. But then Hashem cleanses us. Hashem purifies us. Hashem wipes the slate clean. And so it's worthwhile. It's a very worthwhile endeavor to um, do that on Yom Kippur, to not to do any malacha and to keep the five afflictions, the Chamesh Inuyim. And then Hashem cleanses us. Hashem takes our Neshama. It's like, you, you know, imagine your Neshama is a white shirt or a white blouse and it's become dirtied and it's got stains all over and it's so filthy that it's disgusting which is what our neshamas look like after a year of sin of chet. And then it goes to the dry cleaner, and it comes back clean and white and pristine. So that's what's going on on Yom Kippur. As long as what's taking the shirt to the dry cleaner, not doing malach on Yom Kippur, and keeping the five inuim, the five afflictions of not eating and drinking, of not washing, of not applying oils, no... uh, no deodorants, perfumes, and makeups of not wearing the other shoes and no marital relations. If you, if we just do those things, which is a short list, so then it's taking our neshama to the cleaners, to the dry cleaners, and Hashem does the rest and purifies our souls and cleanses our neshamas. So it's a great deal, a great opportunity. It would be such a pity to squander such an opportunity, and it's something that we should all take seriously and we should all be um, aware of. There is actually a mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur. Um, we're supposed to, we usually have two meals, one in the morning with bread, washing with bread and one um, just before the fast comes in. And uh, the reason why we do that is we're making up for the two Yontif meals we're going to miss on Yom Kippur because we're fasting. Because every Yontif we have a Suda, a meal at night and a Suda in the day. So we try and make two Sudas on Erev Yom Kippur. And Chazal tell us that Hashem regards our eating on, on Erev Yom Kippur if we eat with the right kavanas as if we fasted for two days. So what are the right kavanas? What should we be thinking about when we're eating on Erev Yom Kippur? We should be thinking we're eating to have strength in order to be able to fast. We're eating to have strength in order to be able to daven properly. We're eating um, in order to uh, celebrate the the, 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 the the Yom Tov of Yom Kippur, this great opportunity that we have that Hashem um, forgives our sins. And we also, if we have the right, those right, correct kavanas, um, we're eating to serve Hashem and to fast properly. Um, uh, so then all our eating for the year is metaken. It's a tikkun. It's a rectification of all of our eating for the year. So that's the opportunity of Erev Yom Kippur. Um, we try and go to the mikvah. We should try and go to the mikvah. I know a lot of the men's mikvahs are not open now because of COVID, but you can go in the pool. If, as long as the filter's off, a man can use a swimming pool. A woman can't, but a man can as a mikvah. So men should be trying to do that on Erev Yom Kippur. And then we start with Kol Nidra. Kol Nidra is a beautiful, powerful prayer. I know Shul this year will be a bit different because of social distancing, because of no singing, because we limited, well, uh, Baruch Hashem, we're fortunate on Yom Kippur is that we can extend our um, services for more than two hours. So the law, the government, is a restriction on religious gatherings to be a maximum of two hours but they have made exception for Yom Kippur. Yasha Koyach, uh, very well done to the chief rabbi, who got special permission from the president um, to allow the Jewish people to have services for longer than two hours um, on Yom Kippur, up until four hours we have. So, But even so, we'll be going at a brisk pace. Um, there's no air cons in shul. All the windows are open because of COVID, but not out air cons. 
we're wearing masks, so it's not as comfortable as usual. And uh, anyway, it's a good idea to get things moving. When it drays on too long, I think everybody loses focus and concentration. Um, and so I'm a big fan of the Shlich Tzibur, of the Chazanim going quickly, not going too slow, because otherwise it, uh, it's difficult for people to have the right Kavona. Um, but anyway, every, this year everybody is forced to, to do so. And we start with Kul Nidre. Kul Nidre is a prayer that we say um, in order to nullify the vows that we made in the year. It's not that we've been dishonest people. It's not that we're not sticking to our word. Just that we're very frightened that we're not living up to our commitments. And in Shemaim, they take our commitments very seriously. And it's a very big mark against our name if we haven't lived up to our commitments. And so Kul Nidre undoes those nadarim, those Oh, a neder is an oath, those oaths that we made in the year, and when we didn't say bli neder, and it's just a safeguard going in. Um, if a person's not at shul, so one can say the version of nidre, which talks about the coming yuzos. One can't nullify last yuzos, because you need a base team of three for that, you need to be in the community for that, but one can say the version of nidre, look in your marks or in English, and you'll see the, the version that allow, that is talking about the coming yuzos, that we nullify and come years. So you can do that on your own at home. Um, if you're not in shul. And then we begin. We begin the beautiful um, davening of of Yom Kippur. And again, if you're at home, you can daven. You can daven Ma'ariv. You can daven, um, you say the al at the end of Ma'ariv from your Machzor. And tefillah is supposed to be done in a way that we connect, in a way that we understand. So if you don't understand the Hebrew, say in English. If you have an Oscroll Machzor, the translation is excellent, and then nice commentaries as well. So say it in English, so you can at least make that connection and understand what you're saying. At the end of each Shmona Esrei, of each Amidah, of each silent meditation of Yom Kippur, we say what's called Vidui, the al And we actually do that in a, to- a total of ten times throughout Yom Kippur. The reason why we do it ten times is because um, the Kohen Gadol would say the Shem HaMafurash, God's holy name ten times during the Avoida in the basin in the temple of Yom Kippur. So we say our al our vidui ten times to correspond to that. But if you're not in shul and you we said once in our silent once in the repetition, if you're not in shul, there's no repetition, so you, you don't have to make up the ones you haven't. So you won't be saying it ten times, but that's fine. That's not a problem. As long as you say the vidui um, when you dive into your silent Amidah, your silent Shmonesra. Now we know we say this in our davening in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We shout it out very passionately and very powerfully. Uh, that the power of tshuva and tefillah, which is prayer. Tshuva is repentance. Tefillah is prayer. Tzedakah is charity. They remove the evil decree, the negative decree. So we all have uh, these three weapons, these three uh, arrows in our quiver, which are very effective at this time that we are being judged. So according to our holy tradition, and the Torah Shabbat tells us uh, in great detail, that the, on Rosh Hashanah, the books are opened. And if we bane on him, if we're not a tzaddik gamur or a rosh gamur, a complete righteous person, a complete evil person, so the case is pending, is open and pending, and it's carried, from, opens on Rosh Hashanah, and it closes on Yom Kippur. And that's why these days of Seres Tshuva are so important and are so valuable. And... Um, and the end comes on Yom Kippur. So we are supposed to, one of the things we're supposed to be doing at this time is tshuva. Uh, I thought I'd just mention before I forget is that it's also a very important time for, to ask for forgiveness because whatever we're doing on Yom Kippur, the davening and the fasting and the, and the 
you're not doing malacha um, and the chamei nuyim, all those um, things that we're doing on Yom Kippur, they only help us bein adam lamakum in transgressions that we sin between us and Hashem. But those things bein adam lachaver between us and our fellow human being, so Yom Kippur doesn't cover that. Yom Kippur, uh, we have to get forgiveness from our fellow. If we've damaged somebody, if we damage their property, we have to pay them. We have to um, approach that person and get for- forgiveness from them. And so it's a very important time now, Seres Mechuvo, Erev Yom Kippur, especially when we uh, approach any of those that maybe we slighted or maybe we upset or maybe we hurt. Um, uh, uh, one can be specific and say, I did this and this, but one doesn't have to do so. And probably it's more effective not to do so. You can ask in general, you can ask a person, please forgive me if I've upset you or hurt you in any way. And um, you can do it in person. You can do it over the phone. You can do it with a WhatsApp. Um, whatever means necessary, whatever's going to be the most effective is uh, recommended to be used. And it's a good idea to do so and to go into Yom Kippur without anybody carrying um, uh, feribles and accusations against you and holding um, you accountable for things that, that they feel you've slighted them. So it's a very good idea to try and clean that all up before we go into the fast. And if you're on the receiving end, and somebody's asking you for forgiveness, even though you feel hurt and upset and having been slighted and having been dismissed and having been um, betrayed, whatever it may be, we all have a lot of feribles that we carry with us, which is human nature. It's normal that we feel we are all very fragile, sensitive creatures, and often we are hurt. But if somebody is asking us for forgiveness, so the halakha is that we should be quick to forgive. We should not hold on to it. And we should not be stubborn and should not um, hold on to the bitterness and resentment, but be quick to forgive. And if we are quick to forgive, so Hashem will be quick to forgive us. The Gemara Anybody who uh, means overcomes the inclination, overcomes the inclination to be angry and to be hurt and be upset and lets it go and forgives others in their heart. So, so Hashem then forgives that person for all of their transgressions. So that's one of the important aspects that we should be working on on Yom Kippur. On, in the series of Meitshuva, area of Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is to let it go and forgive and don't hold on. It's hard. It's not easy. Hard. We, we upset and we hurt. And we feel that the person was insensitive and betrayed us. But if we are, if we are big enough to let it go and to forgive them, even if they don't ask you, Forgive them in your heart. And all the more so if they do ask you, they send that WhatsApp. I'm so sorry for having hurt you in the year. Um, please, would you forgive me? Say, yes, I forgive you. That's all. Yes, I forgive you. Let it go. And if we do that, that's a very, very smart thing to do. Firstly, it's the right thing to do. And it shows that you're a bigger person and shows that you mature and shows that you're working on yourself and you can let it go. And Hashem then will do the same to us, which is what we all want and what we all desperately need is for Hashem to overlook how we've slighted Him and how we've betrayed Him and how we have hurt Him. And so if we do that before Yom Kippur, it, it, it goes a very long way to ensuring that, uh, please God, in Mirza Hashem, we will have a positive din, a positive um, uh, a judgment that will be taking place on, on, on Yom Kippur. Now, we're gonna, we'll mention briefly all three 
tshuva tefillah tzedakah. So we've mentioned tshuva, we've mentioned the vidui that we say. Very important that we do tshuva on something. So all of us, every single person who's listening to this, should take one thing, maybe more, but at least one, minimum of one thing, and do tshuva on that one thing. What's So so uh, it's a wonderful thing to come into Yom Kippur with have taken on a Kabbalah, taken on something for the year. So you can think about, we should all think about where we are in Yiddishkeit, what our level is in Yiddishkeit, where we are holding, and move forward. Take on the next step, the next level. It might be kashrus, it might be kosher meat, it might be Shabbos Kodesh, keeping Shabbos, it might be davening in a minion, it might be um, uh, 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 learning on a regular basis, it might be working on our Lashon Hora, not speaking Lashon Hora. So there are so many important mitzvahs, and we all need to be fulfilling the mitzvahs, the commandments of Hashem. Take one on, take something on. And go into Yom Kippur armed with something, with a Kabbalah, something that you've accepted to take on. Um, and stick to it. St- don't make it so big that it's just beyond your reach and you'll never stick to it. Something that is within reach, but it's a growth. It's a moving forward and stick to it. And that is very important, very powerful. And then when we're saying Vido, so Vido is three steps, right? Vido, uh, uh, Tshuva is three steps. Tshuva, the Rambam explains in Hilda's Tshuva. Tshuva is saying what you did wrong having true remorse for doing that wrong, and taking on not to do it again, taking on to develop and grow. So if you pick one thing that you do chuva on, and it can be related to the Kabbalah, to that which you are taking on in the year, and then when you say the vidui, so the ten times on Yom Kippur, if you're at home, it's going to be less than that, five times, so then you can have in mind that thing that you've done the work on, the thing that you've identified, you've done chuva. So do chuva on one thing. Um, so it could be, as I said, kashrus, shavas, Speaking Loshan Hora, um, learning Torah on a consistent basis, davening in a minion on a consistent basis, um, doing chesed, whatever the chesed may be. So there are many things in our lives, doing chesed with our family, first and foremost our spouse and our children and our parents. We should be, um, so take something on. And there's many, many things that we can all take on. And then when we, and feel true remorse for not having done something. And, and in other words, do tshuva on one thing. Say what you did wrong, feel true remorse in your heart that you shouldn't have done that, that you went against the will of the creator of the universe, that we were created to serve the creator and we are not doing our basic function in this world of serving the creator. That's the remorse in the heart. So that's, uh, that's the, uh, vidui, the kabbalah and the, the charata, the kabbalah. Kabbalah is their take on something that you take it, take on something that you won't do this again. Um, and then you're saying the video, you're saying the confession many, many times throughout the day. If you have in mind that, that remember the video, the confession is only one part of the tshuva process. You need to have done the other two parts, which means the karata, having remorse, and the kabbalah, accepting not to do it again, taking to take something on. So it's a great idea, important idea, something that we all should be doing um, on Yom Kippur. So we'll continue when we come back after this ad break with discussing the power of tefillah. Please stay with us. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So we're discussing the... uh, a couple of uh, weapons, uh, quivers we have in our uh, arrows we have in our quiver with regards to Yom Kippur. So one is, of course, firstly and foremost, we have to keep the Yom Tif and not do any malacha 
and keep the chamesh inuim, the five afflictions. And secondly, there's tshuva tefillah tzedakah. So tshuva we discussed, we should do tshuva on one thing at least, make a kabbalah, go in armed with a kabbalah for the year. And wherever you're saying vidu and yom kippur, we have that in mind. Um, let's discuss tefillah a little bit. Now, the, uh, Rabbi Pesach Kron spoke last night on our webinar, um, together with some other communities, my community, Sunny Road Kehila, together with Osamech Savoy and Santon Shul and OJE, we run a program called Torah Tuesdays. And on Tuesday night we have a webinar with an international guest speaker. And last night we had Rabbi Pesach Kron. Rabbi Kron, as always, speaks so brilliantly and in such a moving way, really touches the hearts of the Jewish people. He's the Magid of our generation. And he, he told a beautiful story. He said that a true story, um, one of the great rabbis of the 20th century was Rabbi Yecheskel Levenstein. Rabbi Levenstein was in Europe and he survived the war with the Mir Yeshiva in Shanghai and he became the Meshkiach of Mir, Meshkiach of Ponovich Yeshiva, really a legendary, holy, righteous person. Rabbi Levenstein was once in a taxi and the taxi driver saw that this is one holy rabbi that is uh, his passenger. Uh, Rabbi Levenstein had a real hadras panim, a, a, a very dignified and holy presence. Um, so the taxi driver said, I, w- I would like to tell you a story, Rabbi. So the rabbi said, go ahead. And he said, when I finished the army, me and my best friend, we decided we wanted to, tra- wanted to travel. And we wanted to go to Africa. Africa is a beautiful place. We wanted to go on safari. We all, as Africans, know how powerful and beautiful and unique being in the African bush is. And so they came to Africa. I think they were in Kenya. Um, and they were in a, a, they were on a safari, um, in the bush. And, um, the, this guy's friend, the taxi driver's friend, um, went for like a little bit of a walk, walk out the camp. And after he left the camp, they heard him screaming, just, you know, a couple of seconds after he left. And they ran out and they saw that there was a massive python that was wrapped around him. And this python was squeezing him to death. We know that a python is a very powerful snake and it can, the force that it, uh, that it generates on its prey, the pressure is very, very extensive. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I once looked up, but I don't remember exactly the, the, the tonnage that is, uh, that is, um, placed, the pressure that's placed on a python on its prey. So nobody can survive that. And this, Young Israeli man was being strangled, was being uh, squeezed to death by this python. And they threw rocks at it and they took sticks and they don't try to hit it, wouldn't, wouldn't uh, leave him. And so his friend said to him, you know Shema, quickly say Shema before you die. He was dying. And he said, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lokein Hashem Echad. And after he said Shema, the snake released its grip on him, dropped to the floor and slithered away. And he survived. His life was saved. And so this, Man, this young man, he obviously lived through a miracle. Hashem saved his life. And so he became religious. He became from and became observant. And he married a woman and they have a from home. And to this day, they living a beautiful from life and have a beautiful from home with from kids. And so that the, the, this is the story of the text that I tell Rabbi Jehovah Levenstein. Rabbi Levenstein says to him, and what about you? So the taxi driver looks back at him. He says, if the snake wasn't squeezing me, Squeezing my friend. So obviously that is not a very smart understanding. We're all supposed to learn. A wise person is the one who learns from everybody. That the, it doesn't just, doesn't just have to be around you. We all should, he saw the miracle in front of him. It should have impacted on him and his life as well. Um, and the truth is, as Robert Kron was saying, that COVID 
has been wrapped around all of us. We've all been through a very difficult year and we've all felt that pressure of the python called COVID-19 and it squeezed us, whether it's our health or the health of our loved ones. We all know people that have had COVID. I'm sure we all know people that have died from COVID. Thank God the mortality rate in South Africa is lower than in other parts of the world, in New York, in London, in Israel right now. So things have been very severe. And here too, our community was hit very hard. So there have been deaths, there have been hospitalizations, people on ventilators, people on respirators, people on oxygen. Um, and it's affected us dramatically, all of us. Uh, so it's affected our health, it's affected our emotional state, it's affected our social well-being, it's affected our ability to function in society. It's had a major impact on all of us. We've all felt that pressure from COVID around us. And so we should all learn from it. And Baruch Hashem, um, we're okay and we can breathe in and our lungs are operating fine and we have a not only a respiratory system functioning healthily in our bodies, but we have a immune system and we have a digestive system and we have eyes and we have ears and we have the ability to to function as human beings. These are unbelievable gifts that we all should be appreciating, especially this year where we have all been, the world has been in such peril with this terrible pandemic. So the, the squeezing of this, of, of COVID should impact on us, should impact on our Yom Kippur. It should be a different Yom Kippur than it was last year. And we should be grateful to Hashem for the many blessings that we have, whether you're in shul, social distancing and wearing your masks, or whether you're at home, doubling on your own at home. So we should very much have in mind um, the blessings that we have in our lives and the kindness of Hashem in our lives. And we should do the minimum that we're supposed to in terms of um, the great opportunity that Yom Kippur presents us with. So when we come back after this break, I'll tell you a beautiful story about tefillah that Rabbi Khan shared last night, which really will change your tefillah forever and certainly will change your tefillah on Yom Kippur. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. Let's end off with a beautiful story that Rabbi Khan said last night on our webinar. story about the Spanish Inquisition. The Spanish Inquisition was in 1492, as we know. The Jews in Spain were forced either to leave Spain or convert to Christianity. There were about um, 300,000 Jews living in Spain at the time, and the community was split um, about in half. Half went for um, half uh, left and didn't refuse to give up their Judaism, and half stayed, and they didn't give up their Judaism, but rather they pretended to be Christians, but in private they continued to practice as Jews. Um, we often refer to them with the incorrect name, the incorrect title. We refer to them as Moranos, which is wrong. We shouldn't use that name because Moranos means pigs in Spanish. The cor correct term for them is conversos. And the conversos, there were over 100,000 conversos in Spain. The Inquisition was set up in order to um, find them, in order to weed them out, in order to discover them. And those Jews, they pretended to convert, but we were really practicing Judaism. And it was a terrible time for the Jewish people. Tens of thousands were murdered at the stake by the Inquisition. 
and uh, the Jewish people suffered terribly. And the, the Rabbi Kron said that he he's been to Spain, he's taken groups to Spain, and he said the who was the model, who was the idol, who was the um, the role model that the conversos looked to to give them the strength to carry on being Jews. And he said that that was Esther, Queen Esther. Queen Esther was taken by Hashvero. She was very beautiful, taken to be her queen. And she pretended uh, not to be Jewish, but she practiced very much as a religious Jew, even when she was in the palace and was the queen. And she was able to do this successfully. And um, what happened? We know Haman wanted to destroy the Jewish people. And Mordechai, Esther's uncle, came to Esther and said, Esther, you need to go to the king and plea on behalf of our people. And Esther said, How can, I can't go. Well, you know what the rules are, what the protocols are. You can only approach the king when you are invited. But when you're not invited, if you appear in front of the king, so he might decide to have you executed. Um, that's a very dangerous thing to do. And Mordechai said, the Jewish people will be saved. Hashem will save them through some source, either through you or through somebody else. This is your opportunity this is your, you were sent to the palace for this purpose. This is the, your purpose in this world. And so Esther said, okay, tell everybody to fast and I will then go. And she uses the word, the following words, Uvachain, um, in this man, manner, Avi el Hamelech, I'll come to the king. So what is Uvachain? Now we see through the davening of, of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur of Yom Nuraim, we see, we say these words Uvachain in this manner a number of times. That's in the third blessing of the Shema Yisrael. We're saying, we mentioned many times. And the, the Abu Draham says such a beautiful thing. He says, the Uvachain is the same as the Uvachain of Esther. She says, in this manner, when I'm approaching with trepidation and with hesitation, where I feel that I am not able, I'm not fitting to approach the king, and I'll approach the king. So that's all of our mindset on Yom Kippur. And this is what we should very much have in mind when we say Uvachain many, many times throughout the Dhamma of Yom Kippur, is that I approach Hashem in a state that I'm not fitting. I'm not pure. I've rebelled against Hashem. I've swayed from the path. I approach with trepidation and I approach with hesitation. What was the, the outcome? What was the result of Esther approaching the king? He didn't say off with your head, but rather he said, Ad chetzi hamalchus. I will grant you until half of the kingdom. And he granted her wishes. And so we um, daven that we approach Hashem in the same way. HaMelech uh, uh, in the Megillah, the Vulnagon and others say that means Achashverosh, but it also means Hashem. So Avo El HaMelech, That's how I approach Hashem. So that's how we our attitude and mindset should be when we're approaching Hashem. That we're not d- deserving, that we're not fitting, which is true. And that we have a tremendous sense of, of trepidation and hesitation. And we daven that the outcome should be the same as Esther. We approach the same as Esther Vachain, and the outcome is Esther's wishes were granted and more. That Hashem should grant us our wishes and more. And the Arizal says Yom Kippur is actually, why is it called Yom Kippur? Because it's a Yom Kippurim. It's a day like Purim. That just like on Purim, things, when Esther approached the king, it turned everything around. And things were, the, the, the results were, were wonderful for Klai Israel. So we also hope that we'll approach the king in the same way and things will be turned around and there'll be a positive result and our wishes will be granted. Our, our deepest wishes will be granted. So please God, we should dive in with Kavona. We should first and foremost 
keep the five Yenuim fast and keep the other prohibitions and not do Malach on Yom Kippur. And let's govern our best, do our best, whether we're in shul or whether we're at home. And please God, just like with Esther, approach Uvachain in this manner with humility and with trepidation. And Hashem should please God grant us all of our wishes, our wishes for a healthy year, our wishes for a year that are filled with Hashem's richest blessings of broch of hatzlocha, of success in all of our endeavors, bein beruchnis, bein begashmis, material and spiritual endeavors. And please God, it should be a shana tova for all of us. Thank you for listening, and I wish you all a gemar chasimah